0: Space, well, not really, take two, here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the Neutral Zone. All right, hey, welcome back. This is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network i am charlie carden your humble servant trek lord of west michigan joined by uh my intrepid co host uh over over there in beautiful pennsylvania uh serving on the uss nomad this is aaron aaron say hello hello so aaron this is your first time back uh solo as a regular Part of the program, just you and I. So thank you again for joining me on this journey. How, how is your weekend going?
1: Uh, it's going great. Um, thank you for asking. Lots of chocolate.
0: Chocolate. Yeah, t- tomorrow, is, uh, tomorrow is April 4th, Easter. Mm-hmm. Double whammy because it is my wife's April's birthday. Uh, so we get to celebrate uh, by going out. there's a, a local botanical garden called the Meyer Garden here in Grand Rapids that has a butterfly exhibit, which April's always very fond of. And I think the last three or four years we've missed it. but you know, this is we're alone. Uh, no kids this weekend and it birthday on a Sunday, so it's it's all good stuff. So That's anyway, fun. anyway, fascinating chat, but we are actually here to launch. The uh, first recap of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise kicked off in the fall of 2001, starring a venerable genre actor, one of my favorite dudes, and I just loved him in the role, uh, Scott Bakula as Captain Jonathan Archer. And the premise of the series taking place uh, a little over 100 years before Star Trek, the original series, is the voyage of the first Warp 5-capable Starfleet vessel, and this is this is before the founding of the Federation. This is before we met the Romulans. This is before we met a lot of different species that we're familiar with uh, in the more prime 24th century uh, era of Star Trek: The Next Generation and DS9 and Voyager. So, uh, it's a prequel, and uh, my partner Todd over on SFU Prime is fond of saying that he hates prequels because if the story was so great, uh, you would have told the story in the first place instead of dreaming it up after the fact so uh we will attempt in this uh breakdown of the first half of the season to figure out if that is correct or if uh there is some narrative power uh within within kind of what they told so uh that being said let's kick it off with the pilot episodes one slash two broken bow so aaron tell us all about it
1: Enterprise is launched, and Captain Archer finds himself in the middle of a temporal cold war involving the Klingons and Sulaban.
0: So we uh, we have a new race, we have an old race. It's kind of like something borrowed, something blue, uh, something new. I don't, what, what's uh, how does that go?
1: Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue.
0: Okay, so the uniforms are blue. Uh, the Klingons are old. Sulaban are new. And the concept of a prequel is borrowed from any other type of storytelling yes, where, they, where, they, where, they, where they get retroactive. So uh, I remember I remember my kind of my life at this time. I was I was newly single. I was I was going through a divorce. So I was on my own uh, a lifetime Star Trek fan. Uh, you know, Voyager had ended the previous spring. Um, so this was, you know, every Star Trek series. That came along from you know TNG to, to DS9 to Voyager uh, to this had to approach with a different hook. So you know TNG was you know bringing Star Trek into a modern storytelling in the 80s. You know what I mean? Then DS9 is we don't have a ship, we're on a station. Voyager was, was we're on a ship, but we're uh, totally far removed from everything that you know because we're on the other side of the galaxy. And this is well, let's dial it back. 200 years, and we'll give you a ship that, you know, has wonky-looking controls, and we're, we have the transporter, but it's kind of weird, so we don't know how we're feeling about it, and, uh, you know, we're running around in the shuttle pods, and the ship is really small, and it looks like a submarine, and, you know, there's no Federation of Planets, so the Vulcans are out there, but they're kind of, they're kind of a huge pain in the ass, and, um, I, you know, I they, they seemed a little and they, the, the characters, while they had gone through you know the World War Three experience and the aftermath of it, which we saw in Star Trek: First Contact. Um, and they were a little bit, they were still, they, they were more societally potentially evolved yeah. than, than we are in this day and age. But they were still kind of, kind of snarky. Like you know, uh, Archer is very snarky towards the Vulcans because oh, they held my dad's research back, and he would have finished his ship thirty years earlier, and he, you know, he died I, of some I have disease to tell or you, whatever.
1: That's what I don't. That's, that was the most unappealing thing to me about this whole series was this whole unevolved attitude toward, toward things. Um, and, and I, I hate to admit this, but I'm going to, I didn't watch this until 10 years ago.
0: Okay. And, and it was pretty, I mean, were you a fan at the time, but turned off to it that you didn't want to watch it? Or is there another yeah, reason?
1: Yeah. I loved Voyager. I was like, this is not my thing at all.
0: Wow.
1: Wow. Wow. Then I got to a point where I was so desperate for uh new Star Trek content right. that I I ended up watching it and uh you know it's not my favorite but I like it. And I got to tell you that all of that being said, this is my favorite series premiere of any of the Star Trek series.
0: I I can't I can't disagree with you. It seems the most kind of fully formed and, and it seems like they really go somewhere not physically they they go physically go somewhere but the each of the characters your main characters all seem to kind of take a leap you know what i mean they 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 go they start somewhere they evolve a little bit and then we're poised for the series to begin for them to continue to to have kind of an emotional journey so i i agree with you there and you know and still you know there is the suspension of disbelief that well if the ship looked like this and the tech looked like this how did it end up looking like the original series in the, and, and there's the, you know, a the...
1: lot of like, you as you go through this, I noticed so many technical mistakes that they made. Right. Um, I mean, the story is good. It's everything seems to be well-written. So I, I don't have as many criticisms as I normally would um, with what we've done so far, but there right. are, there were a lot of, like, incidents that I noticed where, like, wow, they really didn't do that right, did they?
0: Yeah, exactly correct. So, you know, and again, to, to extend that uh, that metaphor, you know, it does get even more different uh, back when, uh, you know, back and then obviously in Discovery they've kind of totally revamped what a TOS ship looked like. So that looks a little bit more like this, which, to my regard, even as a purist, I like the fact that they're not like, okay, well, we're going to set Strange New Worlds in the, the time of Pike. But all the sets have to look exactly like they looked in the cage, which was crappy. And everything looked like it was made out of cardboard. So right. that's okay. It's an it's a new, you know, you can't take that kind of stuff and put it in front of a modern audience and think that it's going to hold water. So I like the fact that they, they, were, they were approaching a new aesthetic, which would be kind of ongoing uh, into this. So that's okay by me. That is that is absolutely okay. even like
1: their costumes are very uh, a lot more closely related to like modern Air Force
0: yes. attire yeah, not, than
1: Star right. Trek.
0: Right. And, and I think some people also said kind of had hints of NASA. They look like flight suits, which is which is good because these were these guys were more astronauts than they were of anything else. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, that kind of a denim jumpsuit is better than the gold velour that you saw Captain Kirk wearing. So I right. definitely think definitely think it's a better approach. So, well, cool. Uh, moving on. Episode three. Fight or Flight.
1: Ensign Sato faces her fears as an alien ship whose crew was murdered, while Lieutenant Reed tries to upgrade the ship's defense systems.
0: So, to me, early filler episode. Um,
1: Uh, I wrote dislike.
0: (laughs) I wrote um, dislike emoji five times in a row. Yeah, it was Um, a lot of filler, wasn't it? Right, it was like... Oh, he's playing with the tech and oh, you know, Sato's a big wuss. Okay, great. Boring movie and no, then Well,
1: I did I gotta disagree a little bit. I did like right. them developing Hoshi's character a little bit and right off the fair, bat Fair.
0: Fair. Yeah, you know, that's right. You know, I don't I don't think it really holds a tone that she becomes more of a major character in the series based on this, because again, you, you kinda end up with Star Trek follows in a lot of ways like a big three. So in this, it's, it's the top three officers. It's the captain, the first officer, in this case, the chief engineer. Uh, you feel like those characters get more of a say in like Travis Mayweather, for example, gets a story arc literally in the second to last episode of the series. So it's like they just, oh, we better do something with him because he's done jack shit for the entire series, though he does get a little character development early on. I think overall for a season, everybody gets a little piece of that. You know, a little bit of character development. So, yeah, yeah. I suppose so. I, I suppose so. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I say dislike. Definitely a filler episode. Um, and, you know, and without further ado, I kind of feel the same way about the next episode. I didn't really feel like they accomplished a hell of a lot. Uh, oh, would be- I liked it. Well, tell us all about it then, please.
1: Okay, Strange New World. A storm traps an away team in a cave on an alien world, and pollen spores cause them to experience psychosis.
0: So you're saying you liked it? Is a little bit? Is it a little bit more of a riff on like the the naked time or the naked now, which they did in TNG? Yeah, it they, is. The but virus I, thing. Yeah.
1: I loved to pollen this. I, I just I I think that this might be my favorite episode she was ever in.
0: Really? Yeah. I mean yeah. she she really kept her cool until the very end. And then she kind of, yeah. you know, she succumbed to the spores. And of course, uh, it was the beginning of, I will tell you, at least it was the beginning of kind of what is the burgeoning relationship between, you know, she and trip, which obviously really catapults into season three and then, you know, things that developed throughout the end of the series. So yeah, it was, you know, even further in the series when it, when, uh, you know, trip meets, uh, to Paul's mother and she asks, uh, how long have you been attracted to my daughter? Well, you know, and after he's like, you know, feigns, like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It says, well, I, I knew I always knew there was something between us the first time we had an argument. I never enjoyed arguing with anybody that much. So this is a great ex- example of, of when that was happening. So, yeah, I kind of dig it.
1: My um, boyfriend does not like this episode. No. Uh, and we watched it together so I could do the podcast. And he pretty much complained the whole time. He said, I hate that Florida boy. Um, would, boy. <laughs> I know he was shouting at the captain. Why don't you try not to bang the shuff the shuttle on the mountain this time. It, oh, he, man. he absolutely Ouch. hated it. Yeah. It was
0: that oh, boy. It's like, it's like sitting with your grandpa watching me at a football game. My I know, And I'm
1: just looking over. <laughs> saying, I like it.
0: I like it. Zip it. Uh, well, I really like this next episode, episode five, which is unexpected.
1: Oh no. <laughs> Can we change the name of it to wrist nipple, please? <laughs> oh, <laughs> please. Let's do it. Okay, wrist nipple. Commander Tucker helps an alien crew fix their engines and has an interspecies encounter on a holodeck and returns to find himself pregnant.
0: First of all, show notes, uh, the uh, sub-name of this episode is going to be called Wrist Nipple. I'll yes. see if, can, I, I, if I can definitely get that um, to, to be put uh, on publication. Uh, so I'll do this while you, when you start talking about the next one. I'll, How
1: about I'll... Pregnant Trip and the Wrist Nipple?
0: Pregnant Trip and the Wrist Nipple. Well, one of the two of us has to make notes then, so I actually changes it. I uh, have notes. Okay, I have notes. Very good. Um, I... I th- <laughs> I thought it was fun. It was a great example of it. it was a great example of doing something kind of different and weird, um, but then also, you know, introducing technology that just goes nowhere because they bump into the species, which is kind of siphoning power uh, off of Enterprise in their wake under a cloak, uh, so that they can and, and they need Trip's help to repair it. They so he do
1: something uh, like that on Voyager too. There's a ship in their
0: wake. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure, and it'll probably take. Until we get to the episode for me to remember which one it was. but I have a question
1: for you about this. And I was really wondering it when I was watching. They introduced the holodeck, which is, you know, very cool. And and you assume that's where they get all the holodeck technology for all the rest of the series. Great. But do they ever get into this more? Because you never hear about the species again that has this technology.
0: Well, and that's the big issue with with a prequel. Like, oh, we introduced this thing or, you know, and so how come we've never heard about it again? And so, uh, you know, they run into this in Star Wars because they had a whole prequel trilogy. Like, why didn't why don't
1: let Todd Todd hear you say that?
0: Oh, no, I just I know the. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Right. So to to support his position is probably a very bad idea, but you make a good point. So, yeah, this race. You're never going to hear about them again because, again, we had Enterprise. Then there was nothing on TV for a while. Then there was the J.J. movies, and now we're into the more modern era of storytelling. So it's possible, uh, but it's also never really confirmed how the holodeck technology that Starfleet uses, if it has any connection to this, if it was done Because, again, at the end of this, the Klingons come along, and it has a deal that the Klingons aren't going to blow these aliens up. They say, give us the holodeck technology, and then crickets never again yeah. it's never mentioned because again it's a terrible example of how a prequel introduces a new story element that should translate to previous versions of it like you should have seen it in TOS then or you should have heard about it in TOS and or or you know in the movies or whatever it is but you never do so yeah it's you know it's like there's an explanation it's like the bumpy headed klingons versus the smooth headed klingons which they finally resolved but it took you know, 30 years for them to do it, to come up with an explanation, which actually comes out of the show in season four. Yeah. Um, so it was fun. Yeah. The, 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 uh, what, what was it? The Did you already enter that into the show notes? No, you did not. Let's see here. So, uh, what, what did you want to call this one?
1: Oh, I trip. can write it in. No, I'm uh, doing it right now. Preg- trip in- Pregnant trip and the wrist nipple.
0: Preg no oops, Okay. Pregnant trip. And the wrist nipple. I like it.
1: Why did he get a nipple on his wrist, though? Like, I mean, because men already kind of have nipples, so.
0: You know, ours is not to ask why. Okay. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Pregnant trip and the wrist nipple. Okay, moving on to episode number six. One that I enjoyed. One that I enjoyed. Talk, Tell me about it.
1: Enterprise is sent to learn what happened to an early human colony called Terra Nova. I, I dug it. Um, I dug oh, it my God. It was way too long for me. I was bored. It was an all too familiar plot. Um, but Lavar Burton, again, they directed it. Right. I thought for sure you wouldn't like this one.
0: Well, what made you think? Okay, you know that's an interesting perspective. We
1: usually have consensus.
0: You think so? Yeah. I, I, I like I like the concept of it because again, you can think about well, if this is the first warp five vessel, then in the hundred or so years of uh, you know of space exploration that happened before this there were obviously other ship there were sleeper ships like the one Khan was on you know that they finally found find him in, in the era of TOS and wake him up that people who had to get on the ship and because the voyagers were so long they would you know they would sleep or they, it would take them 20 years to get somewhere instead of you know two weeks to get somewhere
1: wow, but so ha- the whole thing reminded me of that episode of Voyager.
0: You the, know with, the
1: one where they go to the planet and and it had uh, they oh, found oh, like some one. sort of Earth thing and then there was like a nuclear fallout and they were all living underground. It reminded me of that. I was like, this is the same thing.
0: It, uh, well, I, you know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the episode of what you know. I know the exact one you're talking about. Do yeah. You? yeah you're right. That's uh, no, you know what I, I lied. I have a vague idea of the one you're talking about. It's but- like
1: almost like word for word, the same thing. And then, you know, they're really hostile toward them because they don't trust them because of what right. More humans it did right uh, i I was just way too much of a ripoff of that episode for me. so right. i I didn't enjoy it as much as you did, but I probably have more of a clear recollection of that Voyager episode.
0: That might be what's lacking. And yeah, you're right. I mean, some of the void, and again, I watched Voyager all the way through, but you're right. Some of, some of the samenesses of the plot are probably what led to this being the first Star Trek show that was canceled in 30 years. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah and, and again, it's in, and, and not off to a great start, but, but that being said, the next episode does flesh out a, a very underserved race that ends up being, Quite spectacular, I think, throughout the course of the series. So, episode seven, the Andorian incident.
1: And you know, this episode, the Andorian incident, I actually didn't watch it because I've seen it so many times because I enjoy it so much that I didn't need to.
0: Well, all right. Well, then, then yeah. you can you can you can free riff it through there. So, describe it for us, please.
1: All right. Captain Archer, Commander Tucker, and Sub Commander T'Pol are taken hostage by Andorians in and the Vulcan monastery called Pajem.
0: Well. I love this, not only for the fact that we get the absolutely superb Jeffrey Combs back. Yes. The, the multiplayer, yes. the guy who gave us two wonderful roles on Deep Space. And of course, what Dean. a great
1: way to enter yeah. this new race, too, with him. I right. loved it.
0: Yeah, give it a face that you're like. For fans are going to be like, yes, and for the uninitiated, they can think that's a very strong performance of a dude. But yeah, right. he was obviously the, uh, the Vorta, and he was uh, he was uh, Brunt from the FCA, the Ferengi character, um, absolutely awesome. But yeah, you're introduced to the Andorians, who uh, having made one significant appearance in the original series, where you have a you have a character who describes his. Race as being violent warriors, but you never really see much for it. You get another couple of background character appearances scattered throughout uh, TOS, but really nothing else more substantive. This begins uh, Shran, who is, uh, who I would say, as Brunt's character, as Jeffrey Combs' character, uh, you know, some real meat. And you establish that they have beef with the Vulcans, which was never really something of significance before. Uh, they're from neighboring systems, they're warring species, and it, this goes to serve the fact that, oh, Vulcans never lie. It kind of pokes holes in the fact that Vulcans never lie, or they're never going to let you know they're lying, or they're going to be sneaking around doing their own shit, which is exactly what this episode is all about, because it's a great, oh, this is a primitive monastery, and we're here for a study and shit, and they've got this big crazy subspace telescope underground. So um, yeah, a good uh, poke in the hole of uh, the pomposity of the Vulcans, I think, is also really well served by this episode.
1: I loved how T'Pol was so disappointed in the Vulcans when she finds out that they weren't completely, they weren't being honest. Um, And I think that really sets up her for the rest of the series.
0: Yes, no, I totally agree. Totally also, agree.
1: Roxanne Dawson directed this.
0: Ooh, yes, yeah. I and know. This was, I was excited. And this one, from that article you shared to me, this was kind of her blossoming of of transitioning to behind the camera, which is, you know, very common. Uh, uh, Robbie McNeil, obviously in Voyager, also that is what he does for a living now. He really Yeah, does. he's
1: gonna I, be yeah. in. He's gonna do one of the ones too that we we talk about today. Awesome. Um, hey, did you notice Jeffrey Combs though? Um, whenever he turns his neck. Um, you can see where this there's no makeup, and you can see his actual skin, like right on his neckline.
0: Really good. Yeah, catch. you see it like I...
1: twice, and I was I was like, oh, come on, guys.
0: Oh man, I you know what? I'm impressed that it's not anything I've ever caught. Um, You'll
1: notice b- it next time.
0: I I bet I will. But any anyway, one thing that will not impress, in my opinion, would be episode eight, breaking the ice.
1: Yeah, my comments, meh. So here we go. Okay, right. breaking the ice. Lieutenant Reed and Ensign Mayweather are extract a rare chemical on a comet while sub-commander T'Pol considers marriage to Koss.
0: So, you don't see Koss in this, but the character does show up later in the series, but uh, extract a rare chemical, boring. Uh, you get a really dickwad uh, Vulcan captain, boring. Like, guy's just outright uh, just a jerk to the captain.
1: I wrote name. on here, that guy's a dick.
0: <laughs> that guy's dick. Breaking my one, uh, you know, my, my one commandment in life. My friend Miranda always loves to quote me when I say this. I said, what's Charlie's number one rule? Don't be a dick. And this guy breaks Charlie's number one rule. So screw him. Very forgettable episode. Let's move on.
1: Oh, wait a minute. Wait, You don't want to yes. talk about all the problems with physics?
0: Oh, you know I'd love to talk about problems with physics. Break it down for me.
1: Okay. On the comment, able to a snowman.
0: Gravity would not hold it in place
1: right but then this guy hurts his leg but he's too heavy to carry
0: oh no nerds
1: (laughs) yeah all right that's it i just want to complain about physics and we can move on to civilization
0: Ooh, yes please
1: captain archer and an away team go undercover to a pre-industrial civilization in order to investigate an unexpected sensor reading
0: Mm, first impressions garros is a dick such a dick. He's also breaking Charlie's number one rule. I don't like it. Um, I like this. Was was this the first uh, contact with an alien? Uh, like a like a like kind of an established civilization? I assume that thus the name yeah. of the episode. Yeah. So I, I I thought that was pretty cool. I like that. I like the uh, kind of the who done it. They caught they caught a guy who was a ne'er do well. Uh, and I like that the, the scientist
1: in the pre you know industrial civilization is a female. That was very cool. Um, otherwise I've got nothing. I did not like this episode.
0: Oh no. Okay. I mean, like I said, I thought it was passable, but it was super duper forgettable. I mean, there's an episode, it might even be later this season or even an early next season that is called the communicator where they visit a the planet and they leave a communicator behind. I feel like this, it, it seems very similar Oh, pre-industrial society. We don't want to blow. We don't have the prime directive, but we feel like we should have the prime directive. So you know, whatever, yeah, it's very, very forgettable. I, I got, I got you there. So, um, episode ten does actually give us some honest to god character development for, like, I feel like it's the last piece of character development he gets for another three years for Travis Mayweather in episode ten, fortunate son. A
1: cargo ship is it called fortunate? Yes. Okay, the cargo ship Fortunate is damaged by a Nosakan pirates and the Enterprise offers a helping hand only to find the acting captain has secret plans.
0: And the acting captain is actor Lawrence Monson, who, yeah. was, a, who was a child actor, but now I can't remember what he was a child actor and I'd have to look it up. I but don't I,
1: remember either. I remember reading about that, though.
0: But he's also kind of, in general, kind of weird looking, So, and I think as an adult. He was way weird, more weird looking as a kid. But still, you look at him; he's got like like big buck teeth. So he's like, <laughs> just kind of like kind of bizarre making it as an actor. But, uh, and this is again LeVar Burton directing. So I did I did a great job. I think job.
1: maybe I just don't like him as a director, and I wish I did because I think he's great. But all right. the episodes that he directs,
0: I don't like. Are just total stinkers. So well for um, me, other, yeah. You might like this one. I said boo. I thought, you know, I thought again, I, you know, I like Travis. He's kind of a flat character and I guess I like him even less at the end of the series where they try to really cram some like character development into him and give him a backstory, which they never did before. Um, but yeah, this early on, I'm also kind of annoyed by the fact that the Nausikens, which we saw in the, uh, TNG as the alien race that one of them stabbed Picard through the heart. And that's why he has an artificial heart. Yeah. But when they were portrayed in that flashback Q episode, where we, we kind of walked through the paces of what that was, they, they like very, have a mumble grumble command of the English language where they talk like cavemen, where in this, they just talk like normal people.
1: Oh yeah. I didn't think of that.
0: Yeah. That I found as a, as someone who's a nitpicker, I found that super annoying. So, uh, an okay episode, but again, we're you know, okay-ish, lukewarm maybe. Um, but I we promise
1: get- I like all the other ones.
0: Well, my God, th- th- then just go for it. Number 11, please.
1: All right, Cold Front. Captain Archer learns that Crewman Daniels is covertly helping to fight the temporal Cold War against Silic and the members of the Sulaban Cabal.
0: Well, directed by Robbie McNeil, like you said. Yes. Uh, yeah, what do you think?
1: I liked it. Um, I know that the first episode in the description said that it was the beginning of the Temporal Cold War, but I think that this episode actually was.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And again, we get we get a return of uh, of Silic in this episode. You get Daniels, who's character who comes on and oh, he's going to be pivotal. Now he's dead, but he's not really dead because it's the the first his first death. Right. So, yeah, it's the, uh, you know, it's the, the, all the timelines and stuff. Something that's very pervasive in, in, you know, Marvel, Marvel cinematic storytelling now, because you've got K- Captain America's here and he's dead and you have another version and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I dig it. And again, I will never forget that at the time, the nonstop drumbeat of whining, you know, we call them neckbeards. Now people who are just armchair warriors, the bitch about everything. Temporal Cold War, boo. I'm like, why why is that a boo? Yeah, I what, liked what, it. What's wrong with the temporal cold war? It's a, it's a, you know, it's a science fictiony kind of convention, uh, in the, you know, in the end of it, when it comes to an end in the two part, uh, uh, season premiere of season four, Uh, The Stormfront uh, one, I absolutely friggin' loved that one. That was one of the greatest. I totally dug it. So I love the Temporal Cold War. It's not like, oh, I wanted more of it. But they did some really good stuff with it, including the the season finale of this season. So, yeah, I loved it. I I enjoyed the Sulaban. But, again, they're another race that, much like with the Zindi, which was the focus of Season 3, you never hear about them again. But that is the nature of the fact that this was a prequel. It signaled a long pause in Star Trek TV, so it's not to say that it couldn't end up coming back, but whatever. It's 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 really you know it's not ter- terribly pivotal, so that's okay. So all right, we're in the home stretch ready? now. Yeah, we're in the home stretch now. Silent so
1: enemy. Edson Sato tries to find out what Lieutenant Reed's favorite food is, while Captain Archer deals with a secretive and aggressive alien first contact. Wow, I loved her trying to figure out what his favorite food was. I really liked it.
0: Really? I mean, what well, I, I, I did? That, it, it seems like a kind cute. of a kind of a, you know. It is kind of cute cuz it's kind of it's kind of a weird and weird thing and it's a departure cuz it's not maybe a very Star Treky kind of thing so I can see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. Um and Reed is super boring. So <laughs> Super I,
0: boring guy. I like
1: how they illustrated like not only is his character seeming kind of super boring, he just is super boring.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He's his just,
1: parents uh, aren't interested in him. None of his friends right. know anything about him.
0: Yeah, it's surprising that he has for, yeah, his sister's like, well, you know, he's not the easiest person to get to know, is basically a way of saying he's a dud, don't waste your time. Right. You know? So, yeah, it's just not a very, not a very interesting cat. So, uh, episode 13, I agree with you, was a capper a great way to end this half uh, season. Yes. So, tell us, please. Yes, good luck. Okay, one.
1: dear doctor, Dr. Flox and Captain Archer must decide the fate of two species suffering from an evolutionary pandemic. Wow. Groundwork for the prime directive, right? I
0: know. Dug in deep. So, yeah, you get what becomes a very, you know, easy to like, oh, that's just so very Star Trek and. They've got the prime directive, and you know you can't do this and you can't do that. But and Captain but,
1: Archer makes a hard decision, and he makes the right decision.
0: Right, exactly. So based on him, is you know he based on him and his own values, uh, being raised in you know the Earths, and again this it's Earth Starfleet, so it's not the Federation with this charter of conglomerated rules and the different views of different societies. It's just he's out there, and he has to make the tough, you know, kind of frontiersman call of doing the right thing. And he ends up doing the right thing. And it's great. So, yeah, I agree for, you know, almost really a highlight of of this first part of the season. So I think that it's good because it has
1: that quote. Do you remember that where he's like, someday they'll have some kind of directive for
0: things (laughs) like this. Some kind of directive. Exactly. Correct. So, yeah. Well, cool. No, I totally dug it. So uh, first half of the season. And again, this was back in the days when a season on network television was twenty-six episodes, which seems so unimaginable now because network TV arguably is dying because I know I don't hear a ton of people buzzing about network shows anymore. We barely watch any. So all the shows
1: I don't have cable.
0: We haven't had cable for you know for a few years now, but even like with Hulu where you can still get shows that might air on ABC and stuff have really dropped off the radar for me personally. The shows we're watching now. I only
1: watch them now if they come onto Netflix like a couple years later and then i right. watch
0: it. Right. So really you're you're outside of the system of yeah. the ratings and the commercials and the blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, back in this day it was pivotal to, to have that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely really weird to have twenty six episodes. So uh, I will be returning obviously in our next episode with Rich, your Coco host, uh, to wrap this deal up. So uh so that's that. Uh if you were to give the half season a rating, what what would you give it? One out one out of ten Vulcaneers. Not in uh, pairs.
1: Let's see. I'm gonna give it a seven.
0: Wow, I would probably go with maybe a five. I thought, you know, of the 13, maybe maybe half of them were were kind of sort of worthwhile, but then also enhanced by the fact that the, that the series premiere was two and it was it was such a kicker and we loved it. So yeah, five for you, seven for no, five oh, five seven for you, five for me. So It was
1: 8 out of 13.
0: 8 out of 13 that you liked. Okay. Yep. And you you actually worked out the math for that? I'm impressed.
1: <laughs> I did. I li- I write like and dislike and hearts right. and I have all these little symbols on my notes.
0: Oh my goodness, Taken knows me. I'm just, I, I'm just so stream of consciousness after these years. So I'm glad you're grounded and I'm the cowboy. Pew pew pew. That's okay. <laughs> all right. So on to the news. We we have, uh, we have two stories and then we have just a, just something fun about April Fool's Day. So the um the crowdfunder to make uh to the journey, which is the Voyager uh 25th anniversary documentary, has absolutely blown the doors off all over the place. It's raised more I money. I can't wait. Yeah, it's raised more money than any documentary in history, uh, according to uh, this article from TrekMovie.com, which they've kind of become our unofficial source uh, for things that we talk about on the show. So I like that website very much. I'm also a regular listener of their podcast. So who knows? Maybe someday we'll team up. That would be awesome. But uh, yeah, it turns uh, it turns out um, uh, in the time uh, that they've been running this, uh, even just in March, to the journey was supported by nearly 12,000 fans. Uh, with the last seventeen hundred coming in within the last couple of days, even has a great picture from Twitter of Nana Visitor with a great t shirt that I would I oh would Oh my
1: God. I would love to have that shirt. I would
0: get I would get this for April hands down because without a doubt Janeway is her favorite character too. So um yeah they're they're raising money all over the damn place. They smashed their goals. Um and so yeah they did hit my goodness, kind of beyond their stretch goals. I think they 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 hit the Oh their yeah
1: million. they oh. smashed it.
0: That is good stuff. So uh, we'll be and they're going to be yeah they're going to be bringing back increasing the runtime to ninety minutes and remastering footage into HD, which is I, I would say the part of it that I'm the most excited about. So and yeah, me uh, too. that is awesome. The the team is planning on filming uh, the Voyager reunion at October's Destination Star Trek convention in London. So this will be great. Do we have do we have a drop date of this and when we might actually hope to see it next year? I'm sure they're going to yeah, be fil- I yeah. I
1: don't I don't think they put a date on it yet. I mean they they're just collecting money so. Who right. knows how long it'll take?
0: Well hopefully they will do some good thing with that with that money. So I'm fired up for this. So we will uh, when these documentaries drop you can count on basically a full length episode where that is what we will tackle. Uh, without a doubt. So, uh, all right, and moving on to talk about something kind of fun, and you'll have to let me know if that, that one that you forgot, that if you've thought about it since we've been talking. But uh, today is April 3rd, so a couple of days ago was April Fool's Day, uh, which is very famous for the clickbaitiest of articles. Uh, out there. So a day actually dedicated to clickbait on social media, creating fake headlines of things that aren't happening. Uh, so we had a couple of Trek ones that I saw um, both of which ones that I really want to happen. Is that wrong? No, uh, there was I, a did, click, I do too. There was a clickbait one, of course, uh, and I talked about this on Secret Friends, which we also recorded today, uh, about uh, the, a green lighting by uh, Paramount CBS of a, story called, uh, a series called Star Trek Riker that would uh, chronicle Riker and Troy's journeys on the Titan, Boo, don't mess with my emotions. You suck, April Fool's Day. <laughs> uh, and then the the, the the other one is really apropos to what we're talking about now. Uh, green lighting of a fifth season of Enterprise by CBS. So obviously neither one of these is going to happen. Uh, the Enterprise one is interesting because there is quite a bit uh, of material out there uh, so much so that I have slated a tentative episode down the road for us to talk about the fifth season of enterprise things that might have happened within. So that's for a ways down the road. Uh, and, and I may have to reanalyze that because I may not have enough material to make that happen, but that's what I'd like to do. It's on my would be nice list. So we'll, we'll see if that comes to pass. So um, have you thought of the other one yet? Did it, did it come back? To no, you? it
1: didn't. I, I oh, mean, it well. wasn't, it wasn't very good. I was like, Oh, that one's dumb.
0: Right, it's lame. Not even something that anybody would care about. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you what. Something that people will care about is this swag story. So you were so fired up about this one. I'm gonna let you take it. You go it's right ahead.
1: So cute. Star Trek: The Next Generation rubber duckies beaming down to your tub.
0: <laughs> so yeah. What do we got? What do we got? What are, what are they? What are they offering us here? What do we got?
1: Um. They're just cute. I mean, uh, in the pictures, there's one of Picard and there's one of Worf with a Batleth. The Worf one, every time I look at it, it cracks me up. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, But they say that there's also LaForge, Deanna Troi. So it's a set of four.
0: Right, and they they are, are they are they joining, or they're also being produced a TOS series. It looks like we've got you know the the classic Trinity, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and then of course Lieutenant Lieutenant Quack, Hura or Uhura, whatever it is. But these are fun, and they say yeah, they're up for pre-order now, so probably uh destined for uh shipping in june so you know i haven't done the whole ru- i know you you have a younger daughter so your rubber ducky days are probably closer to you than mine are because my kids are all grown or just about i'll um, take a
1: bath with a rubber duck in it i don't care
0: i will this I may is have great to- and i'm not a bath taker as an adult april is so maybe i will have to pick i'm up a gonna of start
1: these. just so i can have these ducks in there with some <laughs> bubbles this is to, gonna be a good time
0: to as you say get all your ducks in a row uh, i'll
1: line them all up and then oh knock my them into the tub boop. it'll be great
0: there we go yep. and 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 with that boop we actually have the end of our show so aaron play us out
1: okay for more information about starfleet international and michigan and beyond please visit the grand Potosky and nomad facebook page the code 47 podcast is part of secret friends unite podcasting network is produced by todd oxtra
0: Oh, yeah. Todd and I have been doing this for an awfully long time. The Secret Friends Unite Network is four shows uh, giving you your guide to the geek side covering uh, video games, Star Trek, Star Wars, and general geek culture. That would be co-op mode, Code 47 that you're listening to right now, Secret Friends Unite, and the Holocron Chronicles. Hit us up over on Twitter. Uh, over at secret friends you let us know something you're enjoying subject matter is up to you star wars star trek general video games what have you and we will talk about uh your comments or answer any of your questions on uh the appropriate uh program we've got a great uh merch store over on T public uh for secret friends unite support your favorite show your favorite secret friends show uh Aaron you're, you recently took advantage of getting yourself some secret friends swag if i'm not mistaken
1: I did. I think I might be getting two shirts for the price of one because oh, they screwed right. up shipping on the first. But um, the uh, the second order did finally ship. So pretty soon I'll have this cool shirt. I'm excited to start wearing it out. It's that, a really cool design for this show. I
0: love it. I love it. But yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, because and I wasn't able to drop this on Secret Friends because Secret Friends drops on Friday, but because this show drops on Monday, April 5th, Later this same, let's say you're listening to this episode when it comes out. later this week, T public is has one of their sale windows where they offer about oh, – yeah,
1: these, it's on Wednesday, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. so um, go in there, shop, their variety of merches, you know, it, hoodies, t-shirts, uh, wall art pillows and uh, the t-shirts mugs. are
1: only thirteen dollars.
0: yeah, it's for it's the a sale. sale. It's good it's a sale proceeds uh, do actually benefit uh, the production of our show. Uh, we're working on a website offering original content, but of course everything costs money. Wish it was the 24th century and things didn't cost money, but they do. Uh, so your are uh, supporting us. will support us in more ways than one. So uh, visit us on uh, both uh, any, you know, any podcasting service where you grab our show and certainly YouTube, leave us a five-star review and we will talk you up appropriately. So with that, As always, friends, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.